happening? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, as always brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy, Placer, ApogeeStrong.com, and our friends over at Discover Praxis. Check the link below. Uh, listeners to The Essential 11 uh, get a really good deal through Discover Praxis if you decide to uh, do that after high school, which we highly recommend. So check that out. Uh, today's guest uh, is an all-around stud. I start out kind of telling him I don't like it when people are better looking than me and in better shape. He's definitely both of those, um, but a, a really cool guy with an amazing story, and he's sharing with the Yapogee guys. His name is Mr. Nick Bear. Uh, Nick's the founder of Bear Performance Nutrition, uh, and they are at about $30 million a year right now as a supplement company, and they're uh, making a strong push towards $100 million. Um, he is also a, a ridiculously stud uh, athlete, uh, and you'll be able to find him at Nick Bear Fitness and see all the cool things this guy's doing. So basically, he's jacked, plus he's going to you know, run a 100-mile race. So uh, I think you'll enjoy hearing his story. So welcome, Mr. Nick Bear. And there he is, Mr. Nick Bear. How are you, sir? Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for connecting, brother. This is great. Absolutely. No, I appreciate the... Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. It's great. I, I hesitate sometimes when guys are, are either in better shape or better looking, and you're both, so that sucks. <laughs> but um, otherwise, man, no, it is it is great, man. It is definitely an honor. Um, I want to give you just kind of make sure we have full context of, of everything going on, and then we're just going to kind of rock and roll. We'll dive into you. Um, if you're cool with it, we'd like to use this as an episode of The Essential 11 as well, um, which is a, a rad podcast. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Um, and so we'll dive into you and then that latter half of it, we'll open it up to these young men who are, who are coming to us from around the world and, and they'll have probably better questions than I do. Um, and they'll just want to, want to dive into you a little bit. Um, so, you know, again, quick background, I build schools and, and, uh, own a few out here in Northern California. I'm helping Tim, uh, open one of our schools out there in Cedar park, uh, right out near where you are. Uh, and I'll actually be out there next week with him and spending a couple of days out there and, and uh, helping him get stuff rocking and rolling. Uh, and then we have this mentorship program that we put together. And so we've got young guys on this call from quite literally all over the world um, and some that can jump in at various times and, and some that won't be able to. But this will be recorded and sent out to all the guys we are mentoring. So um, it is a it is a rad life to live, man. So you've got a bunch of really good young men who have committed to being uh, the cream of the crop, the best of the best, and and to grow and to be leaders, man. So it's pretty cool. No, I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So, uh, so again, man, I was pumped to pumped to connect, pumped to have you on here, and so we want to kind of dive into you, uh, starting out, man, and and you've got uh, a whole lot of cool stuff going on now, but you got a very cool story and everything too. So do you mind kind of giving us the the X Men origin story of of Nick Bear to start, and and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, I think a story is really powerful mm. and building your life is a story. And that's kind of, you know, what I aim to to do, um, especially in like moving forward. When I look at my future before I dive into into my past, when I look at my future, like I think uh, before the day that I die, what are all the things that I want to do mm-hmm. and how how large can I think? How many things can I accomplish? So. When I look back when I was younger, I would think pretty small about the things that I wanted to do or think that I could do. And, you know, in four weeks, I'll be running the Leadville 100 ultra marathon in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I'd say, absolutely no way. I'm not even running a marathon. Yeah. You know? And now it's like, what, what can I do that when I look back at my life, when I'm old and weak and just, I, I put it all out there, what's that? What's that? toolbox look mm-hmm. like what's that chest look like and uh that's kind of the way i live my life now is just chasing the next thing and trying to win and continue winning but it wasn't always that way yeah and uh, i grew up in central pennsylvania dynamic dynamic family where my dad's side of the family they were all dairy farmers mm. in central pennsylvania and then my mom's side of the family they were mostly military yeah so my, my uncle was in the military, my grandfather, my cousin, and I saw both sides of those where it was very hardworking people. You know, the, the dairy farmers, they wake up at 4 a.m., they milk the cows, and then at night they milk the cows. There's no vacations. There's no day off. That's like every day. You have, you have to do it every day. And I saw my mom's side of the family where, you know, when I, when I was growing up, 
in high school, it's when, you know, war was very kinetic. When I was 15, 16 years old, it was 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. And I saw my uncle coming back from multiple deployments, but I saw my cousin, Matt, who, when I grew up with my cousin, Matt, he was this quiet, timid boy. Mm -hmm. And he joined the military. He went infantry and I saw him come back from multiple deployments. Every time he'd come back from a deployment, he would change a little bit and he'd turn into this man. And I was, I was probably 16, 17 years old. And I remember him coming back from this one deployment from Afghanistan. He was, he was on R and R and I was at my uncle's house. I remember him walking to the door and I saw him walk to the door. And I was like, this is not the mat that mm -hmm. I remember leaving. He walked in with his chest up. He was proud, shoulders back. And I instantly said, I want to be like Matt. Mm -hmm. I want to be like my cousin, Matt. And we were at the dinner table that night. And I remember this whole dinner, like it was yesterday. I remember what I was wearing, where my grandma was sitting, everything. And we were at the dinner table and my grandma asked Matt, she said, well, why do you do this? Like, do you enjoy this? Why are you doing this? And he just sat back very confidently and said, well, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? I love it. And that moment was like that yep. quick moment in my head where I was like, holy crap, he's right. Like we have a responsibility as men in this country to stand up and, and fight and, and serve. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So I applied in high school for an Army ROTC scholarship. I didn't have the best grades. Um, I wasn't a stud athlete. You know, people see me doing like these, these marathons and these triathlons and stuff now. But if you would have seen me in high school, I, uh, I played sports. I didn't like super excel. And then my, my younger brother started playing sports. That's when I quit because he was so good. He was better. <laughs> he was better. So like we'd be out, you know, and we're from this small town in Pennsylvania. We'd be walking around and someone would walk, walk up to me and they'd say, hey, are you Preston Bear's younger brother? Oh, man. I say, yep, that's me. Yeah, that's it. They <laughs> say, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to join the Army. <laughs> so I applied for this Army ROTC scholarship in college or in high school, and I got it. Somehow I got it. I don't know how I got it. But essentially, this, this scholarship paid for my full tuition. It paid for my books. It paid me a monthly stipend with the conditions that I joined the military after graduating from college. Mm -hmm. I like, this is, this is the golden ticket. Right. I want to go in the military. I want to go in as an officer. I'm getting my school paid for. Like, what am I missing? Yeah. What am I missing? And I wasn't going to say anything. It was just this opportunity. So to this day, I still, that's one thing I recommend to people is if you want to go in the military, you want to go as an officer, apply for the scholarship. They will, they, they could pay for everything Take for care you. Of all of it. And um, I went through my four years of college and I graduated with a degree in nutrition. But what happened between my junior and senior year or my junior, yeah, junior and senior year of college before graduating is I wanted to start this company. And the reason that it was kind of triggered to start it is because the summer prior, I had to go to this military training. And up until this point in my life, there was like no moment where I felt confident in my ability to do things. And this military training was called LDAC, Leadership Development and Assessment Course, where essentially all of the cadets in Army, Army ROTC go and they get assessed by everyone else. And that determines what job you do in the military mm -hmm. and where you get stationed. So there's some motivation behind it that you go to this camp and you do very well because, well, then you get to choose what you do after right. that. So I went to this camp best shape of my life, highly motivated, and I scored top of the top. So I came back from this military assessment thinking, wow, like this is the first time in my life someone has found me to be like exceptional. Yeah. And it was this newfound confidence. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading the book Winning right now by Tim Grover. So am I. And I'm in love with it. Yep. And there was this one part that really stuck with me where – he talks about when you win, it builds his confidence. And then to win again, you have to work even harder to get that next win. Yeah. But your confidence keeps growing. Yeah. So you keep winning, 
But with every win, you spend more time, money, energy, and resources. Yep. But you build that confidence. Yep. And that really stuck with me in the book because it made yeah. me think back to LDAC and coming back. I thought, wow, this is the first time in my life that I had a quote unquote win in my eyes. Yeah. And it built this confidence. So I came back from this, this course and I took on a $20,000 loan, started my business, found a manufacturer, started all of it myself. And I told my dad, I said, Hey dad, I'm going to start this business. I took out this loan. I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And he looked at me and I'll never forget it. And I have it written all over our HQ, our warehouse. It's in my book. He said, Nick, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. I said, I'm going to prove you wrong, dad. So took out this loan, started the company, uh, didn't have enough money to do anything except buy inventory. Yeah. I launched it thinking I was gonna make a million dollars, no sales. Uh, after just pushing it to friends and family, I made $20,000 in revenue that first year. So I, I was short of a million, yeah. obviously, but I learned, holy crap, this is gonna be harder than I thought. For sure. So fast forward, I'm trying to build this business through this year. I'm trying to graduate. Yeah, I mean, even graduation was tough on me because, you know, like I said, I wasn't the smartest guy ever. And I had organic chemistry in my senior year of college. And all I had to get was a 70 in the class to graduate. Yeah. And I went into the finals with like a 71. And I went and talked to my professor before, you know, finals, my senior year of college. And I said, hey, I need some help. Like, I, I need to graduate. I need to pass this class yep. or this will literally ruin my life. I'll probably lose my scholarship. I'm, I'm supposed to graduate and go to Fort Benning, Georgia and go into the military. She didn't say anything. So I left that meeting with her thinking, I'm not graduating. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Took the final. The final was brutal. I thought I failed it. Got my grades back at a 70%. Nice. So whether I passed that or she helped me, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I graduate college and uh, my first order sent me to Fort Benning, Georgia. And I packed up my truck. At this time, I'm in Western Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh. And I drive my truck with everything belonged to my name, which all fit in my truck at the time, down to Fort Benning, Georgia to report to the infantry officer basic course, uh, which is a 17 week course. And I remember pulling in to my apartment complex in Fort Benning, Georgia, and just sitting back in my truck for a second thinking I'm living a life right now. Yeah. And like, I, I, I was like, I don't need anything else other than this right here. Graduated college, no student debt. Everything was paid for. I know, I don't know what I'm about to encounter and experience, but I know those experiences are going to shape right. the course of my life. So I was just going into it open-minded thinking whatever happens over these next couple of years, will literally, literally transform the course of my life to put me in a spot of where I need to be. And I pulled up, parked my truck, reported to Fort Benning, Georgia, and started the infantry officer basic leader course pretty much that next day. And I learned that that course was pretty much a preparation course for ranger school. So shortly after graduating infantry course, I went to ranger school. And this was a really pivotal point in my life yeah. because again, it was, it was this, this challenge I was about to encounter and I went into it fully confident. You know, I'm still like riding this high from building this company, graduating college, being in the army. I'm like, just, just keep, keep handing me these things. I'm just going to keep winning. Yeah. So I went into Ranger school January 23rd of 2014. And this is the dreaded best ranger competition date. Because if you failed at any point when you enter this course date, you're going to be a six week holdover of wherever you failed because they shut down Fort Benning, Georgia to host the best ranger competition. Yep. And I said, that doesn't matter. I'm going straight through like 61 days. I'll be on this course. I'll be at Fort Hood, Texas leading in platoon. So I entered the first phase and I failed patrols. So I was like, ah, so I have a six week holdover. Back. 
So six more weeks, I'm stuck at Fort Benning. And then I re-enter, I pass that first phase, I go to the second phase, the mountain phase. I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna, I, my, my bad luck is out of my system. I can't get any more bad luck. I fail phase two, mountain <laughs> phase. I do phase two over again. And then I move on to phase three, which is the swamps of Florida, and I graduate. So it took me 145 days to finish this 61-day course. Yep. And this was probably the most, the most adversity I've ever faced in my life because I just felt like for 145 days, I was never winning. Yeah, It was the unknown of when you're going to leave. But it's one of those things that you know you can't you can't leave or move past yeah. until you pin that tab on your shoulder because you don't want to arrive to your, your first unit with no ranger tab. Mm. So I graduate and that again was a massive win in my life yeah. that built this confidence that I think I needed at that point in my life. Like that was one of the biggest confidence boosters that, that I've had. Was that harder and mentally? That 145 was that harder mentally than that first year at 20k? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that was that was the biggest mental stressor because you don't know if you're going to graduate. Yeah, but you're not going to quit. Yep. And you're tired. You're hungry. Yeah. And you're trying to lead and influence other people who are tired and hungry. Yeah. So it's tough. And. Um, but at the same time, like I would go back and do it again just for the experience. Yeah. Yep. For twice as much. I'd spend there, I'd spend 300 days there. Yeah. So then I graduated Ranger School, did some more courses at Fort Benning, Georgia. And then I got assigned to the 1st Cav, uh, 1st Cavalry Division in Fort Hood, Texas, where I was a platoon leader. And I did my platoon leader time at Fort Hood. And when I got to Texas, it was 2000, it was October of 2014. And at the time, my unit was in Germany. They were stationed in Germany. And I had about three months until they were getting back. So I didn't know anyone down here. I had no friends. I had a dog with me, and that was about it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to use this opportunity to build my business. So I had the, you know, the last $500 in my bank account because all my money that I was making in the Army, I was dumping back into the business yeah. to keep it afloat. Right. My last $500, I bought this camera online. And I said, if I can, if I, if I force myself to spend the last $500 I have on this camera equipment, it will force me to create something good out of it. It's almost like I'm, I'm making myself survive. Yeah. Burning, burning the, burning the bridge. Yep. And, um, I started just recording my life. I didn't know where to get started, but I just started filming myself. And this past week, I shared some of those first clips on yes, Instagram. And it really connected with people because you know, people see the way I talk to cameras now. And you know I've learned over the last decade. But when I first started filming myself, it was the most awkward, uncomfortable yeah. thing I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, it was hor horrible. I didn't know what to film. I just would record workouts and recipes and anything. Yeah. And how did you know? So at that point, too. So, I mean, the the you know YouTube, I mean, it was still relatively early on in that process like how did you know where did you get the idea how did you know like okay you know what if i get in front of the camera and start building something around here like this makes sense how, how did you how did you know that was there somebody that kind of gave you that idea was there somebody you were watching how'd you know that was kind of a thing because that was i mean truly at 2014 you're ahead of you're ahead of the curve on that i was watching some some other fitness people okay. that were doing the same thing they yeah. were creating these online communities yep and I also realized that I didn't have any money, so I couldn't hire people. Yeah. I couldn't like get professional athletes attention. Yep. So I said, well, I'm just gonna do it myself. I'm just gonna teach myself how to do this. Yeah. So I taught myself how to film, how to edit videos, how to tell stories. I would watch other people who are really good at filming videos. I would study the way they told stories. Yep. And um, I just slowly started building this following. And I was very self-conscious about it where I didn't want anyone to know that I was filming myself and I didn't tell anyone in the army, no one. So a few months go by, I'm doing this and slowly the business is starting to grow because people are finding me online and they're going to the website and buying stuff. 
And uh, I remember one day I walked into, into work when I was working for the Army still. And I was a platoon leader at this point. I walked into the company headquarters. And at this point, I don't think anyone knows I, I'm making these YouTube videos. Yeah. But I walk into the office and I can hear myself talking. <laughs> and I walk in and everyone is watching my videos, making fun of me. Yeah. Yep. And I, that was just like, I just wanted to dive into yeah. a cake yeah. and hide forever. I was like truly embarrassed. And uh, as much as I was embarrassed, it was kind of just ripping off the Band-Aid. Yep. You know, they, they know I film YouTube videos now. Now yep. I'm just going to go all in. That's right. I'm just going to double down. So I did that for you know another, another year. And then we got orders to go to South Korea for a nine-month rotation. Mm. And I thought when we were going to South Korea for this nine-month rotation that my business, like, it was going to – be over like all the progress yeah. I built. I just thought there's nothing I can do overseas. Yeah. But when I got to South Korea, I realized I had the same amount of free time as I did back in the States. Yeah. However, now there's no distractions. There's no commute. There's no, yep. all this other stuff. I had more time. So I made this promise to myself that I wasn't going to watch any movies, no TV, no Netflix series, no video games, no hanging out with anyone else. Obviously, my, my priority job was being a platoon leader. Right. But in my free time, I'm going to learn how to build this business. Yep. So at this point, BPN's making about $2,000 a month in revenue. And my brother's back in the States shipping orders for me. And my goal was to make $10,000 a month in revenue by the time we left South Korea. So I started studying other businesses. I started studying this YouTuber named Casey Neistat and learned how yeah. to tell stories through yep. video. Yep. I, uh, I read books. I learned how to code my own website. I did a, a, a label rebrand. I just learned everything I could. And within the first 90 days of being there, we went from making $2,000 a month to $10,000 a month. In 90 days. In 90 days. Everyone was a place in order. At night, I'd sit in my barracks room. I'd write a handwritten thank you card to that person. I'd ship it in the mail from South Korea back to the States or wherever they were. Yep. And that's what I would do at night. And I was just learning, you know, like my goal was I was there for nine months. If I could learn at least one new thing a day, when I left, I would have hundreds of new things that I've learned. And it was timed up where when I was getting back from South Korea, I was going to transition out of the army and at that point, I'd be on my own. There'd be no more, no one was making money for me anymore yep. at that point. So I was also motivated by that, that I needed some some money to survive yeah. when I got out. Because everything I was still making in the army, I was dumping back into VPN. Yeah. And when we started making $10,000 a month in revenue, you know, I, I've always been a person that's very ignorant to the risks that I'm taking. Yeah. I, I mitigate and weigh risks where I need to, but I'm, I'm also willing to take risks that, that come with reward. Yeah. So I called my brother up about a month before leaving South Korea, and I said, hey, I know you just graduated college six months ago. You just got a really good paying job, but I need you to quit that job, move down to Texas, and pack orders and find a warehouse for me. Yeah. He said, all right, I'll do it tomorrow. So quit his job, packed up a U-Haul with all of our inventory, which was nothing at that point, moved into my 1,100 square foot house I had in Central Texas and started looking for a warehouse. And we signed the, I signed the lease for the warehouse with him before even seeing it. Um, we had no clue what we were doing, but we were all in. We were, we were all in on what we were about to do. And the day that I got back from South Korea to the States, the first thing we did was we got up in the truck, we drove to that warehouse and we started building it out. And every day we, we worked 22 hours a day if we yep. could. Um, we would spend time building that, that warehouse out. And this is while I'm still in the army. So, you know, I'd, I'd wake up at 4 a.m., I'd drive into work, I'd do PT, I would sleep in my truck between PT and work. And then I'd sleep in my truck during lunch. And then 
get out of work at 5 p.m., drive up to the warehouse. We'd build on the warehouse till 2 a.m. I'd sleep for two hours and do that same thing for about six months. Yep. And by the time I was transitioning out of the army, we were then making enough money that I couldn't necessarily pay myself, but we could live off of. Yeah. You know, we could take some money to live off of. And at that point, it's me, my brother, and our one friend, Joe. And we just started building the business. Just kept chipping away. And, you know, it's one of those things that people say, what what was this pivotal point where you knew it was going to take off and grow? Or what did you do? And we just kept showing up. Yeah. We just kept showing up every single day, learning, learning one new thing, implementing and not being afraid to take these risks. We just kept showing up and showing up. And there's this thing I say is when you're consistent, it Mm. compounds Mm. because Mm. consistency compounds and that's what led us to where we're at now. So this year we'll do about 30 million in revenue and it took us 10 years to get here. And our goal is we want, we want to be a hundred million dollar company, Yep. but we still have hundred percent equity. We didn't take on investors. We didn't take out any big loans. We just scale it from the ground up, you know, and we're just two boys from central Pennsylvania so that bad. had this dream and wanted to do this thing. And we didn't have the skills. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the resources, but we were just so driven to make it happen. We saw it. We had like this vision. And when your vision is that clear and you have so much passion behind what you're doing, like you have the golden ticket. That's it, man. God, so much. You guys, so much good stuff right there. I mean, being all in the Tim, I mean, I I think you're probably in the same uh, mindset as I am winning by Tim Grover and, and reading that right now. And he's talking about, you know, winning develops confidence, like you said. And then he talks about how the fact that now, if you want to go win again, you've got to, you've got that confidence to pull from, but you've got to be willing to go back through hell again, because you understand what it takes, right? And you've got to be willing, you got to be that crazy to kind of go back in. And he kind of puts into words, um, some of the things that I think go on in my mindset. I'm like, shit, man, am I nuts? Like, do I have some massive issues and reading this? I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I think maybe, um, but other guys do too. And, and that's cool. You know, and there's, there's a precedent being set. So I love, I love that. I love that. You, I imagine you resonate with that. I mean, that story of, of sleeping in your car in between and, and grabbing those naps. Um, I mean, that's it. That's that winning mentality, right? Um, well, that's what I'm trying to get my wife to read winning next. Yeah. To understand you better. To understand me better. Yep. Totally. Uh, same. Because I, I connected with that where I was the same way. I, I used to think like, man, I'm, I'm being too selfish. Yeah. Like, I want to, I'm, I can't connect with some other people around me because I just want, mm-hmm. I want so much. Like, it's not that I want more money, but I want to create more opportunity for people. I want to, I want to create the life that I want. And when I read this book, it made me realize I'm not crazy. Yep. I just have a, a winning mentality. Yep. Just wired different. That's it. And that's, I think that's a huge thing, man, is we can get other people to kind of check that out, whether that's describing them and helping them go, okay, there's a lot of people like that, or just having people understand that too. Um, yeah, I love that, man. And I love that you said living a great story. We have a giant flag outside of this podcast room that says here on this campus, live a great story. Um, you know, we, we talk about that and Rogan talks about that. It's just, dude, if you live every day that you are the superhero of your, of your story, right? Then you can go do everything else you were talking about, collecting those experiences. You know, this this whole program that, that Tim and I have built out, it's about collecting experiences. They've got a new project every month. They've got a new challenge every month, and they all are this compounding sort of thing. And if they're consistent on this compounding uh, uh, time crunch of all these experiences, you cannot help but to transform and come out the other side. I mean, that's just the way it works. And these younger guys, just like compound interest, right, of, of investing when you're 10 versus investing when you're 41, and the difference that makes over the long haul, these young guys investing in themselves and in those experiences right now, what that creates, the divide that it creates between them and their peers moving forward, that's, you can't help but become a leader, you know, in, in that way. Yeah, I was thinking about, I was, you know, I ran this morning, um, I'm doing a lot of running right now because of Leadville prep. No doubt. But I was, I was thinking this morning about this call and, um, you know, and the book winning. Yep. And, you know, the, the way I really found Tim recently, Grover was, he made this post about Conor McGregor 
losing yeah. the recent fight to Dustin. Yeah. And then I was thinking about the Dustin and Connor, you know, UFC fight recently. And when you see Connor come out, he's confident and everyone's cheering him on. Yeah. He has every, he has everyone's support and praise. Yeah. And he, he almost expects to win. And then Dustin comes out and everyone's booing him. Yep. And everybody doubts him. Yep. And I had this thing I wrote on my, my door this past week. So I had this wooden door that comes into my office and I started writing things on it in Sharpie marker yeah. that I, I always want to see whenever it's closed. And one of the things that I wrote this past week and I pulled this from winning was doubt is dangerous when you start doubting yourself. So doubt when Dustin walks out in that UFC fight, yeah. everyone's doubting him. Yep. But it doesn't matter because he doesn't doubt himself. But when, yep. when if he would walk out there and hear these boos, and he would start thinking, "Oh man, maybe I'm not going to win." Yeah, he would lose. Yeah, changes everything. But doubt doubt isn't dangerous when because my entire life people have doubted me. Yep. You know, people told me you should close the business; it's not going to work. Uh, when I was going to ranger school like, ah, you pretty shouldn't do that. You yeah. Might, you might get hurt. Or when I said I was going to run the sub three hour marathon, everyone said, you'll never do it. Yeah. And doubting is, it's only dangerous when you believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you, like you said, with the experience with your dad too, right? Saying, Hey, if it was this easy, everybody would do it. And that's coming from a place of love, right? Because they don't want to see you suffer and, and see you get, you know, see you get hurt. But overall, do you think, was that more of a supportive, it sounds like you had to made a pretty supportive household too. And, and, uh, cause I know even starting these schools too, my mom was like, ah, that's pretty risky. You know, you've got good, you got good job over here. You got the 401k, you got the whole, like, are you sure you want to do that? When I started speaking and traveling around and, and making that the, the primary source of income, ah, what if those speaking opportunities dry up? Shouldn't you go get something that's more stable? And it's a day to day, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Did you have a really supportive, uh, home group? I, I have a I had a really supportive home group. My my mom was really supportive. My dad was, but I think because my dad's side of the family being farmers, yeah, yeah. being pretty conservative, yeah, they were they were always thinking, yeah, uh, you know, like if the rain doesn't come, yep. crops aren't going to grow. That's right. Uh, so don't don't go for too much. And I, I remember the business got to a certain point when we were smaller, and I remember my dad saying, "All right, you've got this point." Don't try to grow it anymore. Yeah. And I was thinking, why would I why? not want to keep growing this why? thing? It's that back to that thinking small, right? I mean, it's back to that thinking small sort of deal. Yeah, that's it. And it's guys like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing your story, man. I'm thankful for your cousin, uh, for your cousin, Matt, too, and, and helping you, you know, continue to be inspired not to think small and to come out because thinking small keeps you small. I mean, it, it doesn't allow for that transformation to take place. It's the collection of those experiences, the thinking bigger, and then that transformation can take place where all of a sudden you're walking into a room and you own that room and everybody goes, okay, how do I become that guy? How do I become that guy right there? You know, and that's, that you've been able to transform yourself in that. I love that, man. That's, that's so rad. So you got the hundred miler coming up. You guys are pushing towards, uh, that, that hundred million, goal you're obviously continuing to think continuing to think big right you've got that going on let's say one of these young guys was to come to you or you got somebody that just got out of college or maybe somebody just got out of the military and they're coming to you and then guys get ready because get ready to put your hands up i'm gonna have you guys uh throw some questions out here too for mr bear um but let's say you got one of these guys that comes to you and goes man mr bear i love the story i love what you're doing i love what you're doing with bpn my gosh i want to come I want to come work for you. I want to come be a part of this. I want to come be a part of this network. What do you look for for pe from people that come to you and want to work with your organization, want to work um, you know, within your company? What are you looking for from the people that you bring onto your team? Yeah, hiring is hiring is my favorite part. Yeah. But it's also the hardest part. Yeah, it is. Because if you hire the wrong person, yep. you have to fire that person. Yep. And you know, firing is also very difficult thing to do yep um so i've heard this phrase before hire slow fire fast. fast yeah man and it's so true but and i was also thinking about this uh this this question this morning when i was running 
because you made a post on Instagram, I think it was yesterday, about um, academics yep. and scoring academics. Yep. And when I was on my run this morning, I was thinking, I can't tell you really who in my office in this building has a college degree. Yep. Because I never ask and I, I never, right. I don't care. Yep. Uh, I, I don't care who has a college degree yep. or what you studied. People will reach out and, you know, we get people reaching out daily asking to come work for us. And they'll say, you know, I just graduated from here with a marketing degree and I'd love to come help you with marketing. And my response typically is if I do respond, well, what are you going to do? Like, what is, what is your implementation plan when you yeah. get here? Where do you, where do you see these, these holes in the business? Right. Because I'm not, you know, and it's tough because a lot of people will graduate college. They can't get a job because those jobs require experience and they feel entitled that just because I went to a university and got yep. this degree, I'm entitled to a job afterwards. that yep. pays exactly what I want to pay. And it doesn't work like that because if I'm to hire you just because you have a degree, I know for a fact, I'm going to lose money probably for those first two to three years. Yep. Just training you. That's right. And just because you have a college degree doesn't mean you're more easily trainable. That's right. Or even have the applicable skills to be trained. Yep. So, you know, all the people that I've hired here, I've kind of just come across in yeah. life. Yeah. And sometimes it's because of their skill and what they do. Yeah. But for example, Adam, who does all of our partnership manager stuff and works with our athletes, he came to the HQ one day, did a workout, and we hung out. And I said, I need you to work for me. I don't know exactly what you're going to do yet, right. but I know I need you in my business. I love it, man. Yep. It's that D it's that DNA, man. It's the DNA hires. Are right, you guys go ahead and start putting your hands up? Um, and, and, uh, for any questions that you have for Mr. Bear, um, and I'll, and I'll call on you guys in order, uh, in the box. Um, yeah, it reminds me, man, I was talking to, um, to Gary Vaynerchuk and him, you know, really talking about the fact that, Right now, I mean, if ever, if you say, okay, well, this is Gary Vay Gary Vaynerchuk, would you hire him? Would you bring him into your business? The majority of businesses are 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 absolutely not going to say no. They're going to find a spot because he's he's an operator. Like him or not, he's a he's a great operator. He understands what he's doing. He's gonna he's gonna come in and he's gonna make an impact. But if you were to just take his high school, post high school, you know, uh, uh, JC records or whatever, and go boom, this is the guy. Do you guys want this guy? Nobody's. Nobody, nobody. So why are we using that as an arbitrary metric? It makes it makes no friggin' sense. So coming in, like you said, coming in and being that guy from a DNA standpoint, coming in and providing value up front makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanna see someone come in and say, this is where I see we can grow this business. Yep. These, are the, these are the holes, these are the weaknesses. This is where I would start and yep. this is how I would do it. Totally. And if you come into my business and you say that, yeah. I'm going to give you the opportunity and say, yeah. make, if you make this happen, job, the job is yours forever. That's right. Yep. But it's not my job to find a job for you That's right. and keep you busy. That's right. It is your job to earn that job. Bingo. All right. Mr. Fenley Steele. Fenley, you are up, sir. Uh, okay. So my question for you is, uh, would you, if you had to pick one, would you have rather started your business or just gone into the military mm. like if you had to pick one of those mm. good question i would have just gone to the military because i know that the military provided me foundational experience and perspective that i needed to implement and grow the business i believe that i did a podcast on this recently with my assistant that when you grow and you mature that is the result of perspective and experience. Perspective comes from conversations with people, reading books, listening to podcasts, having a mentor. The experience is actually doing it. And when you have perspective and experience, you mature and you grow. And I think you should search out all the opportunities to grow when you're, when you're younger and earlier on because that will only compound as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. Aditya, you're up, sir. Good to see you. Good morning, sir. Thank you for coming on. 
um how do you deal with failure like you said like in the first when you went for the to the ranger school like the first time you were not able to do it then you were like okay let's go again and try again like i feel like i understand being able to do it again but like how do you deal with failure like in that moment hmm. i deal with it now a lot differently than i used to uh before when i like when i was younger and i failed it was typically the end of the world right and now i i almost search failure because if i'm not failing i'm not trying things that are hard enough like if i keep setting these goals and i keep hitting these goals and i'm not ever failing or losing it's telling me that i'm not pushing my goals or accomplishments far enough or hard enough where i want to fail at things i want to miss the mark i want to come short on things not because i didn't put out the best effort but because i shot too far so now i i want to fail every once in a while thank you thank you so much beautiful all right zev you're up sir uh thank you so much for coming out uh my question is what made you not give up when literally nothing went your way mm. it was one of those things where it was almost a gut instinct. You know, there there was never the option to me for me. Or I never provided myself the option to give up. And I think I learned this from my mom growing up where my mom was a special education teacher. She coached special olympics and she started doing that from a really young age. And my mom found her passion and purpose in life early on and she fulfilled that. her entire life. So I I I was like I saw that happening and I thought I need to I think and I want I want to find my passion and purpose early on so that I can then fulfill this passion and purpose the rest of my life. And when you find something you're truly passionate about and you love and you want to wake up every single day and do it, it never provides the opportunity or the choice to not do it. Mm-hmm. It's just you know that's your path. you know that's what you want to do and you just keep doing it until you make it happen. Yeah, that's absolutely it, man. It's it's like having kids. Like you don't have the option of just not taking care of them. Right? It's just that's part of it. That's it. You get up and you got to do it. And that's that's exactly it. when you've got that when you've got that path, you've got that purpose. That's it. And in finding that purpose is the key and for you guys finding that purpose is collecting those experiences and the more of those experiences that you're willing to collect the more clear that path comes out one of the things we always tell these guys is it's not ready aim fire it's fire aim ready you start you start collecting those experiences and then those are going to hone kind of your direction at that point and then ultimately you get to the point where you go okay this is the path that I'm supposed to be on and like you said then it just takes care of itself that's almost like uh like luck the like i think luck is it's an actual thing yeah. but luck is when you you put yourself out there enough times yep. that you increase your chances of that's right of finding it that's right so if if you keep doing these things and and taking these opportunities and and these experiences you know you you might catch one of these wins once in a while yep and, I, and i've had a bunch of those but it wasn't because i just walked up one day and i found it on the ground yeah it kept showing up every single day and every single day That's right. And finally it paid off. That's right. That's absolutely it. Mr. Ricky Black, you're up, sir. I hello, sir. I was reading your website and you said that people were telling you not to go into the infantry because it didn't have many real life applicable skills. Could you please elaborate on the applicable skills that you did get from the infantry? Mm, good question. Yeah, this was uh I mean, I remember when I said I wanted to go infantry and I did. Everyone that I told, "Whoa, biggest mistake of your life. When you get out, there's not going to be anything for you to do." And that scared me for a second cuz oh man, these like these grown-up people are telling me that what I'm about to do for the next 4 years is going to be a waste of my time. And within 2 weeks of being even just a platoon leader, I realized everyone told me that was wrong. Cuz I was learning how to lead and develop people. I was learning how to manage time, money, energy, resources. And if you can learn how to lead people, take care of people, 
you can you can do any job mm-hmm. in the world. And what's I think the most rewarding part about the military that teaches leadership is that say in a business, people are typically listening to you and following you because there's some sort of incentive. Maybe that's a bonus, a promotion, more money. But in the military, those guys are getting paid the same amount, whether they work 20 hours a week or hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. They know when their promotions are coming up. It's, it's based off time and, and the boards typically. So those people have to trust you to be their leader because they like you, they trust you and they want to follow you. It's a choice. And I think that's one of the most rewarding parts about military leadership is that it teaches that. And then there's, mm. there's not necessarily an incentive behind it. Yeah. That's, that's such a great difference. That's the perspective right there. Yeah. Great point. Speaking of management and you talked about auditing your time and will, I see you and Logan, I see you. I'm, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to miss that, but you're talking about managing, managing your time. And right now you've got so much training going on. These guys are taught to audit their time from day one. It's like, Hey, okay. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, audit your time. What are you doing? What are you doing? When are you wasting time? So that you can start to see how much time human beings actually waste. So right now you're running this organization. You are preparing for, for the hundred miler. How are you managing your time right now? Like, what does the, uh, what does that look like? What does that training entail? Cause that's, that's intense. Yeah. So like clear example today is uh, double training day. Yeah. So I woke up, woke up at 5 a.m. Uh, I was running by 5.45, ran 10 miles this morning, came back, ate breakfast, showered, was at work by 8, uh, work until 4.30 p.m. Uh, as soon as that work day is over, I'll hop on the Stairmaster for an hour, do a Stairmaster workout with uh, an altitude system mm-hmm. on my face so I can breathe at 14,000 feet. Uh, after that, I'll get a meal. And then, you know, af- after that, it's Friday, it's gonna be family time. So I spend time with my wife. Got it. For me, it's it's prioritizing the things that I wanna do and that I need to do. Yeah. And you have to learn to be selfish with your time. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's really a great learning piece from the book Winning yep. is, you have to be selfish with your time and learn how to say no to certain things. You know, there's been points in my life where I was a yes person. I would say yes to everyone. I would give everyone my time and it wore me out. It was exhausting. When you're trying to do everything, you can't do anything. So I say no to a lot of people and I, I I know what I want to do and what I need to do and where I'm heading. And if those things don't contribute to that, Unfortunately, I just, I just don't do it. Yep. And you just have to be selfish with your time. You have to love it. Mr. Will Graves out there in Texas. Uh, Thank you for coming on. I was wondering, uh, since you are a, a person who did ROTC, would the Marine Corps junior ROTC help a young leader become a police officer? Or is there something else that you would suggest? Hmm. Uh, I definitely think, so my school didn't have a JROTC program, um, but I think those are great. One, for instilling discipline and experience with physical training. And then it puts you in an environment with people who, you know, not just everyone's going to sign up for JROTC. The people that do sign up for it, they want to prepare for that next phase of life. So you're surrounding yourself with people that, want to achieve greatness. So I think it is an absolutely amazing opportunity. Good question with Willie. All right, Logan, you are up, sir. Um, hey there. I w- you said um, when you were going into the military, uh, you kind of did it because you wanted to be like as, like, like your cousin because you thought he, w- he was like a great role model and he was – I mean, he seems like a pretty cool dude. So I, w- I was wondering – if there's any kind of other motivation to go into the military, maybe like, I don't know, maybe like a, for, for your country or for your, maybe like more for yourself. Like, was there any other kind of motivation other than wanting to be like someone else? Hmm. Yeah. I, I felt an obligation. I felt an obligation to serve, you know, watching my uncle primarily, his name was Gary and he was an infantry officer and he was a definition of selfless. 
right? And I think we need more selfless people. Like you have to be selfish with your time. So it's very easy to get confused with, there are times and places to be selfish and selfless, selfless putting others before yourself. And I think serving your country in, in any capacity or your, um, you know, your law enforcement, military, firefighters, that's selfless service. Mm-hmm. You are putting your, your own life at risk to serve others and your country. So I truly believe that that's one of the most rewarding parts about being in the military. And I will tell you that when I transitioned out in 2017, you know, I, I did feel like this loss of sense of purpose where getting out almost felt selfish and almost felt wrong, but like doing something that's serving something that's greater than yourself is one of the most rewarding and educating pieces that you can, in my opinion, do. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it's, and it's possible to do both at the same time. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, Tim, uh, Tim and I are very, both very selfish with, with our time. And this is something that selfishly, we are not going to miss, you know, uh, everything that we need to do for, for this program to pour into you guys and to create things for, for you guys and opportunities for you guys. Um, and it's a selfless endeavor, right? There's no, um, there's no financial upside for us. We both have multiple businesses we're running. We both have, there's no, there's no, um, selfish motive, but we're going to be very selfish with our time to be able to implement the selfless things. It is possible to be able to ride those simultaneously too, you know, and that's a, um, uh, but I like the differentiation there. What is, so that since I, since we do want to run this as an episode uh, of the essential 11 too, one of my favorite questions on that. And I wanted to ask you is what is a piece of, of common knowledge something that the world today goes yeah man this is this is uh everybody knows this like everybody knows this is true but nick bear goes yeah man i just i don't agree i'm kind of counterculture in that regard i don't really agree with the masses on this is there anything that pops out for you on that yep yeah it's uh the word grind and hustle oh nice yeah i uh I hate it probably more than anything yeah. else <laughs> because, uh, yeah, two, two perspectives on this. When I was a platoon leader, I had this, this one soldier, he was my gunner. His name was Sergeant Davis. And to me, I mean, all my NCOs were, were all my non-commissioned officers, sergeants, staff sergeants, even platoon sergeants, they, they would never refer to anything as like the grinder hustle. Yeah. Right. They just showed up. They did their job. If they had to work overnight, they would do it. They never complained. If they had to travel to another country, like with a small group to do something else and leave their family and they never complained, they just did their job. They did what they had to do. And it was just their obligation or responsibility. Yep. They never put it on this pedestal. Yep. And I watched this and I'm a, I'm a, big person of this observation. Like I can, someone doesn't have to tell me how to do something. Yeah. I can watch them and pull a lot from that. Yep. And this was a point, point in my life where I watched this happen and I pulled a lot away from it thinking, wow, like while everyone else in the world is they're grinding when they go to the gym or they're, they're hustling when they work one extra hour, they're putting this hard work on this pedestal. And then I'm watching these soldiers who it's just their job. It's just what they do. Yep. And I think that society and the world has this baseline standard of what should be hard. Anything over it is considered hard work. It's the grind, it's the hustle. Anything below it is you're just, you're just complacent. You're just yeah. doing your job. You're surviving. You're existing. And why does that baseline have to be here? Society's baseline. Yeah. Cause I feel like my baseline is way up, up here. There. Yeah, totally. My, my, my personal standards for everything I do in life is way higher than society standards. Yep. So while everyone else is grinding and hustling up here, yep. I'm just, that's just, I'm just life. working right here. That's just, just life for me. Yep. So that's my, my biggest thing that yeah. I just think too many people put hard work on this pedestal yeah. when it shouldn't be put on a pedestal. Yeah. And it should just be the status quo. It's raising that baseline, man. I love the way you explain that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fantastic. 
All right, Aiden, you may be the last question so that we can honor Mr. Bear's time. Uh, so, Aiden, we're going to let you rock and roll, and then we're going to make sure we have um, all the places that we can go to uh, to thank and support uh, Mr. Bear. So, Aiden, you're up, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Matt, for letting me talk, and thank you, Mr. Bear, for coming on. Uh, so, whenever you had originally talked about pulling out that $20,000 loan and kind of bootlegging that business initially, right, what, what, was, what was the plan at first? Was there no plan? Was it just... You, you had like a skewed idea of how something worked. And then to kind of take that one step further, whenever you were creating that business, did you see that there was like a hole in the market or did you just think that I can jump on this train of uh, like supplementation and kind of like mm. get, get on it? I, I, I suppose is how, how I would phrase that. Yep. Yeah. So 2012 is when I started the business and the supplement industry was so different then. It was like the wild, wild west. And at the time, all these people were making products behind proprietary blends. So for example, you pick up the back of your supplement bottle and it would say, this blend has 10 grams in it. And then it would list all the ingredients, but it wouldn't tell you how much of each ingredient was in there. And this made me mad because I'm studying nutrition. I, I want to take things that help me. And I don't know how much of what's in there. Like I want the good stuff. So what these companies would do is they'd put a little of the good stuff and a lot of the cheap stuff. So they'd be making a lot of money and you think you're taking all these great ingredients, but you're really not. So what I started doing, I started buying my ingredients in bulk and I started mixing them myself and I'd make my own pre-workout supplement to take, knowing exactly what dosage of each ingredient was in it. And I was doing this for a little bit and I was selling it and I was pretty much dealing and selling it out of my college dorm room. And after I had that, that confidence coming back from that camp, I came back and I said, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do what I've been doing the last couple of years of mixing up my own stuff. I'm going to sell things that aren't hidden behind proprietary blends and I'm going to create great products. Mm. And that was the, that was essentially my business model. But to get the, to get approved for the $20,000 loan, it was called a pre-commissioning loan. And it was through the Army ROTC program. So I had to build a business plan, get it approved by my professor of military science. And it was with the military associated bank, USAA. My professor of military science approved the loan. I got the loan. And at that point, once that money landed in the account, I placed the order for the supplements. And then I said, what do I do next? Yeah. And it was pretty much just learning as I went and trying to figure things out because I had no experience. I had no family, no friends in e-commerce. And it was just learning as I went, but I knew I had passion behind this business and the products. I knew I could create great products. Now I just had to figure out how to be a business person. I love it, man. Fire aim ready. Yep. Fire aim ready. Awesome, man. Nick, did you, especially during all of this, I mean, you're running this organization, you've got this hundred miler coming up, you, you know, you're a family man, you got all this, so you taking an hour, um, to, to pour into the young guys on this call to, you know, the young people that we have that listen to this around the world. And, and a lot of parents that listen to this around the world too, man, I don't take that for granted. Um, how can we support you? Where would you have us go? What would you have us, um, do to be able to, to support you in any way that we can? No, I appreciate that. Uh, our website for the supplements is bpnsups.com. Company is Bear Performance Nutrition. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Nick Bear Fitness. That's B-A-R-E. On YouTube, uh, if you just search Nick Bear, I have hundreds of videos, training, business, entrepreneurship, leadership, military stuff. I documented my entire nine months over in South Korea, so you can watch all those videos. Mm. You can essentially see the, the brand from the start till now. Uh, and we recently released a, a new series called Beyond the Bee, mm -hmm. which is going to document everything we're doing to take the, bee, the business to that 100 million mark. I love it. Um, and then I have a podcast called The Bear Performance Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Awesome, man. I can vouch for those videos, you guys. I mean, some, some fantastic stuff. Um, so highly recommend. And we're going to link all of that stuff in there. Um, and I'm going to, uh, reach out to you later, uh, too. And if you have, if you have a second, I want to get a, um, whatever a good address is, if it's a company, wherever that I can just send you a little, thank you for, for spending some time, um, with these guys today too, man. So, 
uh, huge, huge props, man. I love everything you're doing. I love everything you're stand, you know, you stand for, and I love that you are consistent in that because it's, it's real, man, and it's who you are. So, you guys, let's give a big thank you to Mr. Nick Bear. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you being here. I'm going to walk these guys through some Socratic conversations and things like that. I'll reach out to you a little bit later today, see if I can get a a spot I can send it. Grateful, sir. Great. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys. All right, bud. There you go, man. Head over to Nick Bear Fitness. Head over to Bear Performance Nutrition. Uh, I mean, you're talking... Army Infantry Vet, author of 25 Hours a Day, and just all-around stud, man. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Feel free to share the episode, leave a review, comments, all that good stuff that helps us out and ultimately helps the kiddos. And we'll catch you next time on The Essential 11.